This message is recorded before an empty congregation in our sanctuary. This past Sunday, we had a difficulty in recording the messages in the first service and the second service. So this is an attempt to give an overview of what happened on Sunday, particularly for our life group leaders and any of our life group attenders as they do a sermon-based Bible study. We hope that as we look over this in a fairly rapid fashion, that you'll be able to experience at least a little bit about what we were trying to pull out of the passages that we looked at this past Sunday. We're in a series in the book of Genesis, uh, the book of beginnings, in which God begins everything in terms of his uh, creative universe as well as his impact and the, the lives of the people that he has created in his image. And, and we learn so many principles from that as we look at their lives following um, the true God. Uh, th- this morning, our message is entitled, Good Even When It's Bad. And the emphasis here is, is that we can really see that God is able to take, no matter what kind of place we're in, no matter what kind of predicaments we find ourselves uh, involved with, that, that God can take that which looks like very, very bad and make it into very, very good. Uh, this past week, we had one of our elders uh, preach a great passage and a great message on life uh, where you didn't expect it to happen. And this week, we're going to be kind of taking off on that and again, looking at the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. Now, many of you know that this past week, Alice and I had an opportunity to get a week away, and we were at Park City uh, doing some uh, recreation with a member of uh, our church, and I had an opportunity to do some snowboarding. Now, one of the, one of the fears of, of most of our people when I left, since I was going to the mountains, they were wondering if I was going to get lost. Well, I didn't get lost, as you can see. I'm here, uh, clothed and hopefully in my right mind, but I did want to show you a clip or a picture of being on the top of one of the mountains up there, and there's a warning sign there. And on that warning sign, it says, reserved only for expert skiers or snowboarders, which I am not an expert skier or snowboarder. And also within it, it says, uh, be careful because there can be uh, instant and unprovoked avalanches. And so the warning was, Make sure you have the skills, and number two, be sure you're aware of the terrain because there is no easy way down from being up on the top of the mountain. Now, you might be wondering, why did I do that even though I was warned not to? Because I happened to be snowboarding with someone who was very skilled, and I just discerned after spending three days with him that if I just followed what he did, I could get down the mountain. And hopefully, as you understand, as we look at people in the past who have gone through the journeys of life, and they have been able to trust God and get through the, the storms of life and experience God's good even when it's bad, then we can learn that because of God's presence in our lives that we too can experience what God has for us in terms of his master plan, even though we might not fully understand it, we can be a part of it as we understand that God providentially and sovereignly will make things happen according uh, to uh, his design plan for people. Now, th- this morning, uh, I-, I want you to look at Genesis 39. We'll do a quick review from where we were in the past. And, and I want you to see basically two things as it relates to um, 
good even when it's bad. First of all, no matter what place you're in, even if you're in prison like Joseph, and also uh, good even when it's bad, even in the predicaments of life. Now, particularly, uh, we saw last week with Joseph that he was in prison, and John uh, shared the first passage of that, the first portion of that chapter, two or three times in the beginning and the end of his message. And I want to introduce our passage with the end of that chapter, because in it, it speaks about good even when it's bad, even in prison. First, first of all, even in prison, you can experience God's presence. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. There is no place in this universe that you can go that God is not already there. Secondly, you experience God's provision. Again, in Genesis 39, verse 21, it said, showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of of the prison. And so God not only was with him, but he was actively involved in his life and he showed him mercy in the midst of a place that is not known for giving mercy. So God provides for our needs, not always all our wants, but our needs. And then thirdly, you can experience God's prosperity. In Genesis 39, 23, it says, And in whatever he did, Joseph, the Lord made it prosper. Now, we might want to stop here and say, well, God not only promises his presence and his provision, but his prosperity. And you're saying, well, I don't feel I'm prospering right now. But he's not particularly speaking of physical things or material things. Because true prosperity is not what you have, uh, but what you're living out. And the Apostle Paul was in um, Philippians, or was writing to the church at Philippi, and in it he explained his experience as far as being in prison. And he challenged them to do what he was doing, and that was rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. See, the result of prosperity is increased value in life and treasuring life, and God is able to give us joy even in the midst of being in a place we don't want to be. In fact, further on in that passage, he talks about, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in, whether I have abundance or whether I'm suffering need. And in in that passage is that familiar verse in which it says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that promise in Philippians 4.13 is not the promise of being able to go down a chute on the top of the mountain in which you're not quite prepared to do because you have the lack of skills and God will supernaturally give you the ability. Really, the emphasis there is that in the midst of life, you will have the ability to have joy or contentment no matter what because of God's presence, God's provision, and God's ability to prosper you and for you to experience joy through his strength. Well, that's the first point I want to make in terms of God assuring us that it is still good even when it's bad because no matter what place we're in, even in prison, that we can experience um, God's abundance. But even there, I want to share with you as we think about that, is most of us will not be in the prison of this world in terms of behind uh, uh, bars and, and locked doors. But some of us are in relationships. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's in a physical condition where we see and not a lot of hope of being uh, set free from that marriage or that job or even that physical condition. But what God wants to say to us is that we are still in God's plan no matter where we are. And we can experience his joy and his strength and be part of his plan with a, with a bigger end in mind if we really trust in him. Good even when it's bad. Now, secondly... Not only in a place, but also in the predicaments of life. And here we see the rest of the story in the book of Genesis. 
And we're going to race through that this morning. We're just going to pick out some highlights. But there are some challenges for us, some things that we can be challenged to, to be and to do if we, again, recognize that it can be good even when it's bad. The first one is that, that God wants us to learn to be patient. Be patient even, even as we, we don't experience some things or anticipate some things happening as we would, uh, would want to see happen. Be patient. God does not always reward you immediately. And in it here we begin to read the story of what Joseph was doing or experiencing while he was in prison. In Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, it says, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker and the candlestick maker, no, I guess he wasn't in the story, uh, of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers and the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And here again, we see God intervening and making sure the things that he wants to have happen, happens. And he takes these two individuals who are in the court of Pharaoh and sends them to the particular place where Joseph was in prison. And here Joseph, not thinking about himself, begins to understand now, what ministry is all about and, and, and God being part of what, what God wants us to do as a lifestyle. He, he meets the, the, the butler and the, and the baker. And in verse 6 of chapter 40, it says, And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and, and saw that they were sad. And, and so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, what do you, Why do you look so sad today? Now, sometimes we make ministry so complicated. And really, we can be prepared for ministry if we're simply good listeners, or in this particular passage, if we look at people intently. It doesn't take a whole lot of discernment to see someone and notice that they are sad, or maybe very, very sad. And that's an opportunity for us to walk across the room, to get out of our own shell, and simply ask them what's going on in their life, and then maybe we can be prepared to show love or talk about God's love. And so... Joseph meets the butler and, and the baker, and, and they begin to share some of their, their challenge in life. And, and part of it was not only being where they were in prison, but they had experienced a dream that night that they couldn't understand. And, and they said, we each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph immediately responds, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And so he gives, he gives uh, the credit to God as far as being the one who can interpret dreams, but he makes himself available to be a person um, that can, can help others. And, and really, that's just a sub-point I want to make this morning. You know, some things only God can do, but if you're connected to God, you can be part of that channel in which things get done. Uh, and, and what happens is, and we can only touch on the surface here, is that he interprets the dream of the, of the butler. And it's a positive interpretation. And, and once he gives that explanation he he asks him to do something for him and he goes on in verse 14 and he says but remember me when it is well with you and and please show kindness to me make mention of me to pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed i was stolen away from the land of the hebrews and also i've done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon Uh, the only reason i'm in in egypt is because someone (laughs) enslaved me. And then when I've got, when I got here, I haven't done anything to deserve to be in prison. Just remind, remember me when you are in the court of Pharaoh. 
and it reminds us too also that sometimes we're in situation. It's not because we've done something wrong. Um, it's just that that's where God wanted us to be. Sometimes we are innocent and not guilty. But as he makes this plea with the butler, and, uh, and he does interpret the dream of the baker, and that wasn't such a, 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 a good ending to that story, what happens uh, to this plea to be remembered? In verse 23, the last verse of this chapter, it says, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And isn't that so true about our lives? We have a tendency to remember the things we ought to forget and forget the things we ought to remember. Life isn't always fair. It wasn't fair that on a human level that Joseph was in prison, and it wasn't fair that the, that the butler who had been given a, a, a word of hope from Joseph and then simply he forgot him once he was free. So as we think about the predicaments of life and understand it can be good even when it's bad, first of all, we need to understand that we're going to have to be patient because God does not always reward us immediately. But secondly, we can be confident God will reward his people eventually. It's interesting in, in Genesis chapter 41, we realize that, that Joseph has to, has to wait on the Lord. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly they came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they, they fed into the meadow. Now that's the beginning of that dream, but I want to just make note of there was, there was a period of time, not just a matter of days or weeks or months, that, that Joseph remained in that prison. And he was a young man. He came to Egypt when he was around 17. He's probably in his early 20s now. And Joseph was in prison for two more long years. But the Pharaoh is now bothered by a dream. And this brings the, the butler to think about, well, how can I help the Pharaoh? He re- he remembers Joseph. He remembers that Joseph was able to set him um, you know, free in terms of interpretation of the dream and bring him hope when he was in prison. And so he reminds the Pharaoh of this, and the Pharaoh searches out Joseph, and he, he asks Joseph to interpret the dream. And again, we see the faith of Joseph. He does not take the credit for the ability to interpret dreams, but he reminds the Pharaoh uh, that only God can do that. Look at Genesis 41, verse 16. In this text, it says, So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so we need to remind ourselves when we're in situations that we need to put our trust in God and not ourselves or anybody else. But as he interprets the dream, uh, then he conveys to the Pharaoh that it's not simply that God knows what's going to happen in the future, but that God is actively involved in making things happen in the future. Joseph taught that God acts in the future. Look at 41, verse 25 and 32. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 32, same idea there. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. Everything happens in this life. Either God directly makes it happen, or he indirectly allows it to happen. And, and we understand that we are all in God's hands. And this is, this is in contrast to some people's view of God, that everything can be explained that we cannot understand by simply saying, well, God foreknew, uh, but he did not cause to happen. Uh, God is actively involved in everything that happens in the past, the present, and in the future. 
Uh, it, it's not, uh, there's a real controversy in theological circles about open theology, which simply says God is limited in that he knows what's going on, but he doesn't orchestrate what goes on. God brought into existence everything that he said and revealed in that dream. And, and so as we think about the lessons we need to learn, we need to be patient. God does not always reward us immediately, but we need to be confident that God will reward his people eventually. And what kind of reward did Joseph get? And interesting enough, the reason Joseph was left in there for two more long years is because God was designing um, Joseph to be in a place where Pharaoh could find him uh, so that he might elevate him to a position of prominence. If Joseph had been released two years um, before that time when he had helped the butler out, uh, then he might have even gone back to his homeland. He might have gone back to his family, and he wouldn't have been there for God to raise him up to prominence in the land of Egypt. But what did, what did the Pharaoh do? Well, he was so impressed with his ability to interpret the dream and his wisdom, he makes him the one who's going to be in charge of what's going to happen next. There's going to be seven long years of prosperity, and then there was going to be seven long years of famine. And so Joseph had told him that he, they need to be prepared for this. And so what does, jo, what does Pharaoh do? He puts him second in, in command. In Genesis chapter 41, uh, we, we see that uh, declared to us very clearly. In 41 verse 42, it says, Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Here was a prisoner who was now put in the position of being the second in command in this empire that, that was so powerful in that world of that day. But, you know, as, as Joseph began to experience firsthand that, that it can be good even when it's bad, if we'll wait on the Lord, be patient and be confident, he realized that just as we can linger in that which has gone wrong, we can forget about that which has gone right. So when he had two children, and I've thought about having my, my son and my uh, daughter-in-law, Mark and Lori, when they had their first child, if it's a male child, to call them one of these two names, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. But Joseph particularly called his sons Manasseh and Ephraim because he wanted to have an object lesson for him to remind himself that it can be good even when it's bad. In Genesis chapter 41, verse uh, 51, it says that Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Now, the name Manasseh means forgetful. And we have a commentary about what that was to remind Manasseh about. For it says, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That there is, as we've already said, there is a challenge for us to remember what we need to forget and forget what we need to remember. And as we think about it, what, what Joseph needed to do was to forget the pain of the past. Some of us, we are so burdened down by the things that have happened to us. And there is, as the New Testament talks about, there's a root of bitterness in our soul, in our heart. And we can't seem to get over what people have done to us or what we've, what we've encountered in life that has has really been a burden for us. 
And just as he was thinking about all the things his, his family had done as far as selling him into in slavery and the, the long years of being in the prison, uh, Joseph wanted to, to, to forget those things that, that caused him to be burdened down. And, and so I would challenge you, if there's some things that have just weighed you down, just forget it. Now, you don't have a delete button on your mind, just like on a computer, but if you'll forgive those who have hurt you, then God will, will allow you not to call t- back to mind in a, in, a, in a continual way those things that have hurt you in the past. There are things we need to forget. And every time he saw Manasseh, he thought, I need to forget this. But secondly, he had another son, and his name was Ephraim. In verse 52, it says, And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land and in my affliction. Forgetfulness, or forgetful and fruitfulness. And this was the other side of the coin. Just as we need to forget those things that burden us down, we ought to remember those blessings of God. There's a familiar hymn of the faith. Count your blessings, name them one by one. But for those of us who are familiar with that hymn, we we may have sung it many times or heard it sung many times, but we don't apply it in our lives. We need to remember all the good things that's gone, gone down in our life that God has given us. We need to be grateful and thankful. And when you're filled with thanksgiving, when you're filled with gratefulness, when you remember the fruitfulness, the good things that God has done for you, then your life will not, not be preoccupied for that which was bad, but only by that which was good. So as we think about in the predicaments of life, God has challenged us to be patient and to be confident. Thirdly, he wants us also to be humble. And we're going to just erase through this as we, as we close this, this uh, summary of the message given um, on Sunday. He wants us to be humble because God has some lessons for us to learn. Now we turn from not looking so much at Joseph, but looking at Joseph's brothers. Uh, they're back in the promised land, but now it doesn't seem too promising. Because what has happened is that the famine that was now in Egypt had now, had now really come down into uh, Canaan. And they were without food. And so their, their father, Israel, or we might know him by Jacob, says, you must go to Jacob, you must go to Egypt and buy us food. Uh, but as they get there, they now, they now encounter Joseph. They, they don't recognize him because he's dressed like an Egyptian. He's in a position of power and they can't even imagine him if he was alive, being in that kind of position. So they, they don't recognize him. And as they... As they encounter him, they realize that they are, they are dependent upon his, um, his, his mercy in their lives. And, and so as that happens, they, they uh, begin to realize that they are now in a position of, of being humbled by this powerful man. And they recognize that maybe it's God who is, who is now punishing them for their past deeds. And that's what we need to be humbled about, is that we need to realize that choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Look at Genesis 42, um, verse 21. And here it says, Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we could, would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. It is humbling to realize that sometimes the situations that we would describe as bad happen uh, because of choices that we have made. Sometimes God, as in Joseph's case, just puts us in a place where we would not want to be or choose to be, but he has a plan for our lives. 
Sometimes we encounter heartache in this life simply because we have made some bad choices, and the brothers finally realize that. The other thing that God wants us to be humble about is that he wants us to realize that sometimes we could have prevented that if we would just have listened to somebody. Uh, and, and that's the idea is that we need to consider past helpful counsel. In Genesis 40, 42, verse 22, which is right after the brothers were staying together, one of the brothers remembers what he had told them before they enslaved their brother. And, and Reuben answered them saying, Did I not speak to you? Saying, Do not sin against the boy. And, and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. Uh, kind of reminds me of that, that common phrase either we have said or people have said to us, I, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. And, and they could have prevented all this heartache and pain if they had simply listened uh, to their brother who tried to persuade them not to, to be so angry with their um, kind of privileged younger brother and enslaved him and cause some of these consequences to happen because of the bad choices they have made. So as we think about in the predicaments of life, understand that, that it can be good even when it's bad. We need to learn that uh, we need to be patient, we need to be confident, we need to be humble. And thirdly, uh, or fourthly, we need to be wise. Because sometimes we think in terms of walking with God that God will insulate us from all the, the difficult things in life. And there ought to be some kind of a, a a bubble around us. But we need to recognize very simply that, that God wants us to be wise and know that you can't avoid the unavoidable. And, and we're going to make some very simple observations here but, because, again, as we see the famine spreading throughout the land of, of, that, of that area, it, is that they were not going to escape it. They hadn't escaped in the past, and they weren't going to escape it in the future. They came back with food to the land, and uh, they consumed it all. And after you consume all the, the food that you have purchased, it's, isn't it amazing when you go to the grocery store uh, one week, you have to go back the next week uh, because you, you got to eat. Well, their food was running out. And in, in Genesis chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, they had to make a choice. They had to make a choice. What were they going to do now that they, they needed uh, more resources? Now, the famine was so severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back and buy us a little food. The Bible says that it rains both on the righteous and the unrighteous. And as we think about that, we are going to experience in a fallen land, in a fallen world, uh, things that are unavoidable, that we are at the mercy of what happens in the world around us. And so now they had to go back to Egypt to get food. But now their father was wrestling with this because they had not, they had not returned uh, to Egypt to rescue one of the brothers that was left there because uh, Israel or Jacob was so afraid that they would lose his other beloved son, Benjamin. But this was unavoidable. Either they were all going to die in the promised land in Canaan or they were going to um, go back to Egypt and put themselves at the mercy of of the ruler there, the Pharaoh and Joseph, and see what would happen next. And so you can't avoid certain things in life that are unavoidable. You, you, you need to eat. And then secondly, you need to realize and be prepared that in life you're going to suffer loss. And that's what, that's what Jacob and Israel, Jacob or Israel had to come grips, to grips with. And in verse 14 in chapter 43, he comes to this very simple conclusion. And may God Almighty give you mercy before this man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. And then we have this concluding statement. 
If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. He recognized that there was a possibility, maybe even a distinct probability in his mind, that when they went back to Egypt to get more food, that Benjamin would never return. But he had to risk that. It was unavoidable. Either they would all die in their land or they had the potential to live if they took a step of faith. And that's, again, where we don't lose hope. Even, even when it's bad, God can bring good. But there are certain things in life that we're going to have to go through that everyone else goes through as well. Finally, and the last thing, and we've looked at it already in terms of the things that, that are the predicaments of life, we need, to, we need to be patient. God doesn't always reward immediately. We need to be confident that God will reward eventually. If not here, then hereafter. We need to understand that we need to be humble. There are some lessons that God wants to teach us. Uh, that there are consequences to choices, that we need to consider the advice of people around us. We need to be wise or things we can't avoid. And then fifthly, and this is I'm just going to touch on, is that we need to be expectant. We need to be expectant that, that God can change the heart of one who seems hopeless. And here's where it really ought to hit each one of our hearts and, and even our perspective on life, is that sometimes we're, we're with people that we really care about and we're concerned about and we've, we've poured our life into them. And, and we're at the point now because it's been over time that we, we feel there is no hope. But in the story of the book of Genesis and in the story of the, God's love letter throughout um, the scriptures is that, that God is the one who gives us hope because he can rescue any life. He specializes in that. It's amazing to me is we, we see the bigger plan of God and the bigger plan of God is that as we fell into sin, as mankind fell into sin, that, that God at the very beginning wanted to bring a, a savior, a rescuer for us. And the only one that would be capable of that would be, be his son. And, and so from the very beginning, he, he, he predicted, he prophesied that, that there would be one coming that would, that would, would heal us from the inside out. And with it, when he, we established the nation of Israel, he said there, there would be descendants. There would be a line in which the Savior would come, the Messiah would come. But as we look at that line, it's, it's, an, it's interesting to us because as we look at that, God chooses the line that we would not, we would not choose. He, w- he would choose the individuals from which the Messiah would come, from which Jesus would come. And we would say that they don't, they don't qualify because they're, they're kind of hopeless. If we were to pick of the 12 uh, sons of Israel, we would say the one that God would pick would be Joseph because he was the righteous one. But the one he picked was Judah. And, and we already know in the story of Genesis that, that Judah didn't seem to qualify because he was hopeless. Uh, remember, I think it was in Genesis 30, 34 where, where Joseph wouldn't fulfill his own promises to his own family and, and, and then he treated his daughter-in-law like a prostitute. Uh, how, how could God use him but in Genesis chapter 44, it, it's, it's Judah that becomes the mouthpiece of reconciling the relationship between the brothers and Joseph. And, the, the, and they're united once again. I, I dare say that each one of us has some people that are kind of on our hopeless list. That we've almost given up. We, we, we don't even want to pray for them anymore. But we need to recognize that, that, that God is in, the, is in the business of rescuing people that desperately need him. As we looked at this this morning about good even when it's bad, it's, it's the whole challenge for us to recognize that, that God is in control. And the so what is that it's God who makes it happen. And our opportunity and our challenge is simply to trust him. Trust him, first of all, with our own lives, that, that we place our lives in his hands and we take a good look at our, ourselves. And every one of us was hopeless until God touched, touched our own heart. 
and we gave our life to Him. And then to recognize as we go through the challenges of life that, that God, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of being in a place we don't want to be, even going through all the predicaments of life that we don't want to go through, is that God can take even that which is bad and use it for good. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that as we, uh, as we seek to, to know deeply the true God of, who created everything and the one who sent the Savior for us, that we might learn to trust Him in life. And that people can see that the reality of who God is because in the midst of the storms of life that we have peace and contentment and that we can experience even in the unhappy moments that inner joy that only you can give. Thank you for the examples in the past that challenge us in the present. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.